This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by SearchWP. Find SearchWP at searchwp.com. Let's talk about the power of their metrics add-on for a moment. Since I redesigned the Matt Report website, I put search front and center on my homepage. Why? Search WP metrics. Metrics give me the inside data to what visitors on my site are looking for. I love the graphs and the actionable advice that it provides me. I can make informed decisions to create new content or optimize existing content that my audience is searching for. Remember when Google gave you all of that search data? Yeah, it was great back then, way back then when they gave it to us, they don't give it to us anymore. Put on-site search front and center for your visitors. Get that data back. Get SearchWP at searchwp.com along with their metrics add-on. That's searchwp.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Easy Support Videos now loading over at easysupportvideos.com. That's easysupportvideos.com. It's a fun way to support and educate your WordPress customer or website users using video and small snippets of text. Version 2.0 is coming soon, where you can place videos on the post edit screen, a custom post type, a global video that loads across the entire admin. It's up to you. Version 2.0 has the same great features that exist now, like customizable video gallery in the dashboard with so much more. Get it free in WordPress.org or go to easysupportvideos.com. Stop going back and forth with support emails. Put your helpful videos right where your customer needs them. Get it free, easy support videos.com. Courage might be the most valuable trait running through an entrepreneur's veins. The stories shared on this podcast are born from some of the most difficult times for the individual starting a business. In terms of the economy, there's an entire cohort of successful agencies and WordPress software products that started during the financial crisis of 2008, my own agency included. In 2020, a global pandemic rocked industries of all shapes and sizes, impacting to this very day, the certainty of our livelihoods. For Taylor Arndt, losing a job at a local university was a spark that kicked off a flurry of ventures. From laying the foundation of a new freelance business to starting a podcast and a YouTube channel, Taylor isn't letting anything get in the way of building a successful business. I'm extremely happy to share this story with you today. You're listening to The Matt Report, a podcast for the resilient digital business builder. Subscribe to the newsletter at mattreport.com slash subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Better yet, please share this episode on your social media. We'd love more listeners around here. And by the way, I had internet issues the day that we recorded this and my local recording was botched in Descript. Taylor's end sounds fine. Mine, not so much. I hope you don't mind. Okay. Let's get into the episode. My name is Taylor Arndt. I am from Michigan, and I am a freelance accessibility specialist who focuses on WordPress. I am blind, so I uh, use non-visual methods for accessing, like using a screen reader, which reads out everything on the screen aloud. I started this business in June of 2020 and full-time. But before, I was just kind of doing it on the side. And I do web accessibility. I do WordPress development. And I also train people on how to use WordPress from an accessibility perspective, whether that's developers who need to develop websites that are fully accessible or it's users who want to actually make a website for the first time. And I show them how to do it accessibly. So I do it both angles. I've taught both sided and uh, non-sided alike. And yeah, that is a little bit what I do. A lot of WordPress development and also um, 
consulting for accessibility, making sure that people are in compliance. I recently had Amber Hines on. She runs a company, uh, Road Warrior Creative and Equalize Digital. They have an accessibility auditing plugin. I don't know if you, accessibility checker plugin, sorry, is the actual uh, name of the plugin. I'm not sure if you've you've ever experienced that plugin. Amber was able to educate myself and, and our listeners on as somebody who used to run an agency, right? I would say like, okay, well, if we run this, if we run this plugin and this plugin says it's accessible, then then we're we're pretty good to go. Or it's something of a client comes to you and says, hey, build us a website, and then you scope out the website. And then you deliver it to them and they say, oh, by the way, this is, this is going to be all accessible and compliant everything, right? And you're like, well, we didn't really start that way. There's a lot of things to consider. And for you, well, business should be fairly good because you can go and not only educate, you have that ability to educate folks on what needs to be done, but you can actually do the work. So you have a lot of options ahead of you. Yeah, I I totally agree. And that's one of the things like as my philosophy, I always start off accessibly. So then we don't run into those problems. And in addition to that, I also take it a step further, right? Because we have usability, which is like how people can actually like use the site efficiently and navigate. But we have compliance, which is technically meeting the rules of the books. And sometimes usability and compliance, just because something is compliant, may not actually mean that it is usable. And so that's definitely something to also consider. But my philosophy is I always make sure whatever I use is both accessible from the front, so the user end, and the back end, the developer end. And the reason I do that is because, well, first off, I am a developer myself, so I have to be able to use what I'm trying to use. But more importantly, I want to think about the client long term because you never know who's going to help them with their site eventually. And you don't want to try to lock people out of opportunities just because you didn't make the back end. Do you have an example of when you say something might be compliant, but it's certainly not usable do you have any real world examples you've run into that maybe other developers can learn from? Not like off the top of my head. Cause like I said, there are definitely some websites I just have to like kind of think like not really that I could like I said think of off the top of my head, but I mean, definitely like I said, something may be compliant, but it may not be usable. Maybe like some government sites, like those are definitely examples. Cause like they try to be compliant obviously, cause they have to be, but not all of them are actually usable. Is there a toolkit like Amber's plugin or something that you go into a certain theme or a certain set of plugins that you say, you know what, on every WordPress site that I'm about to develop, it's always this theme. It's always this set of plugins uh, that you move forward with before you start a new project from scratch. Yes. So with Amber's plugin, I'm actually giving her screen reader feedback on the back end, right? Because we know that it can say what's wrong with the site from the front end, but how can somebody who's blind actually access that? And so I'm actually working with her and giving her feedback on that, on that end. Cause I met her uh, a few weeks back at the Bakersfield WordPress meetup or one of the meetups. I don't even know, but um, beside the point, it's definitely, like I said, I have a set of tools and plugins that I use on every uh, site. And I have like a template that I uh, can kind of clone from. Cause obviously I don't want to have to install everything from scratch. Cause that just takes so long. And so I can go into some of those if that's what uh, you would like to do. But yeah, I definitely have a preset of templates and uh, tools that I use that I know are accessible on every site. Do you have a go-to theme that you start with? Oh, yes. Generate press all the way. 
<laughs> I love Generate Press. I love it. It's awesome. Now, Cadence is accessible also, but the problem is, is that at this time, the backend of Cadence is okay. It can be used, but some of the block customization options just read button, button, button with a screen reader on the backend. It does produce accessible front end, but I would highly recommend just using Generate Press if you can. So I was reading through the bio on your on your website. And you said, of course, during COVID last year, when we're recording this now, April, 2021, sort of, I don't even know if we're really out of it yet, but it kind of feels like we're moving in a better direction. Your bio says that you were laid off from a job where you were helping students and departments with accessibility. And now you've decided to, to go off on your own and do freelance work and start your business proper. What were your thoughts around that? What made you say, okay, instead of just going to find another job, I'm going to just do it my way and, and build a business. How did you come to that? I knew that because of the COVID pandemic jobs were going to be kind of interesting. And I also knew that where I lived, I didn't really want to particularly move at the time because I was trying to go to school. That's what was attempting to happen. But in that sense, because I was working for a university and then they with the like credits and stuff. But I was like, well, really, I only have one option. I mean, I could just not have a job at all, but I don't really want to do that because there's still stuff that has to be done with accessibility and it's more important than ever. So I'm like, well, you know what? I guess it's time for me to start a business. What have you been using as sort of a foundation for learning the best methods for finding WordPress clients or the best ways to run a business? Are there certain uh, places you're looking to start from? Or did you have inspiration from maybe a friend or a family member that already runs a business and you can sort of mimic that person and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it their way and, and put my twist on it? Well, my whole family is entrepreneurs pretty much. So I already, I already had the tool. I already had people that I could go to be like, okay, how do I set up QuickBooks? <laughs> the worst. I'm dealing with it right now. How do I do this? How do I do that? I already had some in a lot of people in my family already run their own businesses. So I had that in that regard. But in terms of like clients, a lot of word of mouth, you know, I posted a lot of places, but you know, what's really propelled the growth of my business. I mean, like exponentially clubhouse. Really? Yes. I would go into these rooms and a lot of time I would be trying to learn stuff. But the thing is that eventually what happened is I would kind of first, obviously I got introduced to clubhouse and then like I would go in the WordPress rooms. So first I kind of joined in on the WordPress rooms when they were talking. And then one of these days, let's see, I don't even know when it was like a month or two ago, I was in Tony Casentino's room. He does the WordPress Q and a, which I'm now a co-admin of the club. And uh, he well, he and I, I guess, were doing a WordPress help desk. So we were doing some Q&A stuff. And then ever since then, basically, I have started to really, like, get my name out there. And then also I'd be joining a lot of rooms. And I just I just kind of be around and I'd kind of give people, in a sense, like what they needed. And then, like, they would kind of want to contact me offline. I've been podcasting now for eight years. And when I see a new, you know, technology come along, <laughs> which, which really makes me feel old. But like I see a new technology come on like Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces, which I sort of lean into a little bit more. I've only done a handful of them, but I, I would rather do Twitter Space and Clubhouse. That's just me. That's just me at this moment. But I really, the thing with me in, in audio or any work of art, because I, I look at content creation. I don't care if you're writing a blog post, a newsletter, doing a podcast, doing a YouTube video as, as a work of art. And I want it to 
to be lasting, right? I want to have an archive of the stuff that I put out because of the effort that it takes. What are your thoughts as somebody who's now a, a content creator doing the podcast, doing YouTube, and of course, finding some, here's some success on, on Clubhouse? Is that ever enter in, into the thought process or are you largely good because, hey, it's paying off in audience and exposure? what I tend to do is like, I tend to write stuff down from clubhouse rooms and I'm like, and then maybe sometimes on my podcast, I'm like, so we had a clubhouse room and we kind of talked about this, this, and that. So I try to like recap kind of what we've like talked about just in a general sense, but I kind of agree like the content archival thing, but honestly, like it's also paying off because people that are actually wanting to be there are kind of listening and they're kind of taking it all in. But also, like I said, I've also started to go to meetups because of Clubhouse. These virtual Zoom meetups that I found has also been helpful. So it's just been a combination of things. I want to go back to, uh, and I, I want to, and then we will revisit content creation. But before we get too far away from the entrepreneurs and the family, when you decided that, uh, what was the reaction from friends and family? Did they give you pointers? And do you have a, a sort of North Star that you look to as the business person in, in your circle of friends and family that, that you look up to? Well, I mean, they were very supportive, like I said, because they knew, like, I just don't want to, like, not have a job and just kind of, like, sit home all day and do nothing. I mean, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I refuse to do that. I mean, like I said, but everybody kind of in my circle was helpful. I don't want to point out just one person because everybody helped in different ways. Yeah. And so I really can't specifically say one person because like everybody helped in their own ways. Is this your first business venture or have you? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what else besides finding clients did you think? And as I guess, aside from <laughs> QuickBooks, did you think to yourself, oh man, I don't know if I'm really ready for this part of it yet. Is there one, another thing that sticks out? I would say the only part is when I had to try to hire somebody to help me with some graphics uh, design stuff, I was like, oh boy, like I had to get some logos done. And of course me being blind, it's not very easy or I really can't make logos really at all. So I had to help get help for that. I prefer hiring out of word of mouth. That way I can kind of know the person. Now, is this person somebody that you're going to work with in like contract basis? Like they'll help you design logos for other clients or was it just for your own logos and your own artwork? No, they're helping with my client stuff too, because obviously I can't design artwork like me being blind. That's just not something that I can really do. Right. What was that process like? If, if you can share like chatting with people and, and sort of building up trust with someone and it's not just... Like you said, you're you're blind and you can't create that that design asset, but that's one part of it, maybe. But there's the other part of it is where you have to trust this person, right? Because you you're going to have to work with them. They're they're going to be working under the, your brand, and that you want to hope that they're going to represent you, the business, and and get stuff done for the client. What was your interview process like, or your process for running through some applicants, if you will? Well, I really only had a couple. So what I did is I kind of sat on a Zoom call, asked them some basic questions, and then I had them show me some work samples. And then I had one of my other trusted friends help me that could see, look at their samples and we kind of picked. I did some like test stuff too. Like I had them, yeah. we did a test project. Let's turn back to content creation. The idea for the podcast, the YouTube channel, and now hearing about sort of your excitement and your success with, with Clubhouse as a, as a creator, like what's inspiring you to create this type of content and what's the goals for content for your business? I mean, it, what inspired me is that there's just not a lot of tutorials out there, especially from an accessibility perspective. And we talk about how important accessibility is, but there's really nothing that will 
actually get down and actually show you like from the very basics, how I actually develop something with my assistive technology actually being featured in the video. So you can actually hear what's being outputted to the screen. And so there's really nothing like that from an accessibility perspective where we take an idea and we try to create a website. And so it's kind of what this uh, latest series is. Long story short, I had a little bit of fun with the Google AI. And I'm not going to really get into it because basically what happened is I had some crazy things happen with YouTube and they were trying to mess with my content a little bit. Not because it was bad, but just because it's YouTube and the eight, there was no human moderation. And the um, YouTube algorithm had some issues. And so at that point, I'm like, well, I'm just going to start a podcast too because this isn't working. And I was my content was getting comments were getting turned off. So like, well, I'm going to start a podcast and I'll just have it on both platforms. And the other reason is because I've had a lot of feedback where they're like, I want it in a podcast. <laughs> I That's the other main reason too, is that I had a yeah. lot of people who are like, I prefer this in a podcast. Can you put it in a podcast? The audience is never satisfied, right? They've always, they right. want it on video. Then they want it on audio and then they want it in 30 second clips. And my God, did you make a 10 minute video? Who has time for 10 minutes? They say, well, I have time for 10 minutes. Watch the whole thing. Right. No, I'm not. I'm just going to do audio and video. I'm not going to go too crazy because what I do is I just, I, I use Reaper at this point for video editing because that's the thing that's accessible. So what I do is I just, I render two files. So I render both the audio and a video file. And then I just put one on YouTube, one in the podcast. We're done. While folks are listening, where can they subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel? So you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, basically all the places that you get your podcasts. I think I'm in every directory. I'm, I'm just like throwing it out here, throw out there. The YouTube can, can also be found... Uh, at YouTube. So Taylor's Tech Talks is the podcast and the YouTube. I kept it the same so that people were able to find it. Nice. And Taylor's Tech Talks.com is actually the site for the podcast and the YouTube. And it's actually getting worked on right now. So I have a live site, but actually there's stuff going on behind the scenes, which I'm super excited about. So yeah. Is there anything that you can share today or is it top secret? Well, it's not quite done yet. Well, I guess let me just say that there is some Cool features. So what we had to do is I use Pinecast for my podcast hosting. And their default audio player wasn't all that great because it didn't have a download button for the website. So I worked with one of my friends and we actually created a plugin to interface with the Pinecast thing. Nice. But I'm not going to really get much more into it because I'm I'm adding some other stuff to it, but again, it's, it's kind of in beta right now. So I don't, in case it wouldn't actually work out, I don't want to say something that I can't like deliver on. Looking at the last video that you've uploaded to uh, Taylor's tech talks on YouTube, we got a fantastic title. Let's debunk hosting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure, I don't know how I came up with that. I, I, what happened is I was doing some stuff yesterday and I was like, okay, let me come up with this title. So I'm like, let's do one coasting. I don't know where it came from, but I just came up with it. Give us some insight into that, into that video. Is it you sort of testing speed and efficiency of hosting? Like we kind of normally see with folks reviewing hosting, or is there something else that, that you're diving into there? No, actually what it is, is so a recap of the series, basically what the series is is we are building a site from scratch. So the site we're building is called WPForAll.club. And it's my clubhouse club site. So I decided to build it live on camera. And nice. from an accessibility perspective. So 
The series basically takes us through every aspect, including first off, we have to buy our domain, right? We have to buy our little address on the web. And then we have to actually buy our hosting where people can actually see our, see our site in action. And so this video particularly takes us through the process of kind of hosting providers I recommend. And also it kind of shows us how we'll buy hosting and kind of basically how do we set up hosting, but how do we talk about it from an accessibility perspective? So how do we make sure that the back end of the hosting is fully accessible? And so I actually talk about my hosting that I offer. And then I also give other suggestions like DreamHost uh, is definitely also pretty accessible. Now that you have, you've sort of situated down onto or decided to pick the Taylor's Tech Talks YouTube channel, you have the podcast, you're building out the clubhouse site, you're making sort of this whole front end marketing stuff happen for the business. What are the goals uh, aside from making sure that you're continuing to publish content. Are you looking for like real call to actions to drive traffic to the business? Or is it much more, hey, the business will be the business thing and I'll get clients and I'll send out invoices and I'll grow that business. But the content is going to be maybe sponsored or ads or merchandise or just using it as a, as a platform to drive traffic to the business. So the... Content is actually a personal brand right now. So it's actually Taylor's Tech Talk. So it's a personal brand. I do talk about my business in there, for example, like my hosting and stuff. But obviously, like I said, it's mostly kind of a tutorial, just kind of getting people familiar. And then also, like I said, it's more of a personal brand also. Mm-hmm. It gives you that flexibility too, yeah. right? So if you if you want to be able to, I don't know, roll up another business that has nothing to do with technology or or at least nothing to do with WordPress. You have that platform that you've built, which you can start talking about something else, right? Maybe you're you're building a an app, an iOS app or right. An and that's actually and that's actually cool because yeah, one of my other friends actually does app development. So uh yeah, it's definitely like apps or just it's just kind of a channel for me to share. Like I said, I do mention the business though. But it's just kind of a channel for me to share kind of like what I'm up to or just kind of tutorials. And then obviously I do put all my links in there. For the business side, what, what are your thoughts on on growing the business? Do you have particular goals for the rest of 2021 aside from getting QuickBooks up and running? Because <laughs> that'll take you that'll take you another eight months. I, I, I still haven't done it, right? Ten years <sighs> later. But are there any other goals that you're looking to hit with the business? I'm just kind of hoping to expand it. I don't really want to say I have any like quote unquote like, I, I mean, I have goals, like I said, to kind of expand it, but I'm just kind of trying to get more into the web hosting because I'm doing a lot of like maintenance stuff right now for clients. So I have web hosting that I offer and that's been pretty interesting. We just had to get another server online last week. So that's kind of one of the other things too, is that I, I'm expanding that business because what I've found, and this is my opinion, like I could buy hosting from somebody else, but their panels aren't always accessible. Mm-hmm. And me being the developer, I want something that I can be very efficient with. So I find it a lot easier for me to just run my own hosting because that way I can use the stack and the tools that I want. And that way they're fully accessible to me rather than trying to have to go through this other vendor and the other vendor stuff isn't accessible and then it slows me down. So I just rather run the hosting myself. I totally agree. I think a lot of agencies and consultants, although I've seen the conversation kind of split, right? A lot of people will say, well, don't pretend you're the host. Make sure you let your customer know who's hosting it because you don't want to be on the hook for that. And I've heard hosts say, as somebody who sold WordPress hosting, I worked for a company called Pagely for three years selling WordPress hosting. In fact, my first jobs in in tech was was selling hosting back in the early 2000s. But there's always like this mixed 
this mixed feeling I've heard where people say, yeah, you should definitely do it. And you should definitely run your own hosting so you don't leave money on the table. And then others say like, you should just totally farm that out. And you don't want that responsibility on your books. I'm in the camp of, yeah, you, you do the, the hosting. Even if you are, <laughs> here's, here's my take on it. And I'm interested to hear what you think. Even if you are saying, hey, I'm going to, your, your, your website is going to be hosted at, at whatever, at pagely.com where I used to work. But you're still going to pay me monthly to support and maintain it. Right. Because number one, Pagely is not going to know your website as good as me or your other web host isn't going to know your right. website as good as me. And number two, you're going to call me anyway. <laughs> you're you're yeah, not exactly. going to call the web host. And even if you did call a web host, they're not going to work with you like I would. Right? right. So that relationship should be forged early on. And even if you are hosting it yourself, just let them know, here's the trade-offs or here's like hosting with me versus hosting with, I don't know, WP Engine or Pagely or whatever. Yeah. Like here are the trade-offs and be upfront about that. Oh, I'm um, fully transparent. Yeah. Any other any other thoughts around hosting or something that you didn't you weren't anticipating when you first started doing hosting for customers? Well, like the growth of this, like having to add another server. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, whoa, no. Like I said, and we're fully transparent. Like I said, we actually give clients the ability. Like we have a portal, so they actually can. Like if they want to transfer us, they don't even have to contact me. They can do it all themselves. I literally have the same technology for the WHMCS billing system. Mm -hmm. So people can actually order them. So like I said, it's not all manual. It's all automated in a sense. And then we have a support system. But I, yeah, I'm very fully transparent. But I, like I said, I also mostly do it for accessibility for my sake. And also that way, if something goes wrong, I am the server admin and like I can kind of more easily diagnose problems and, but more for the accessibility of yeah. both the client side and like I said, the other stuff because like some of my clients are also blind and some of the other panels aren't accessible. And like I said, I got a compliment from a customer the other day. They're like, your web hosting panel is like better than like 95% of all the other ones out there for accessibility. Yeah. Well, hosting is a hard market. So maybe not maybe, but when you continue to, to grow that space, maybe that ends up being the, the business. Is that something that's ever crossed your mind where it just becomes, you're doing services now and, and maybe you're doing coaching or training and education around accessibility, but maybe this building a, a hosting panel like this is something where you can find some real, you know, niche or some niche vertical customers. Yeah, that's definitely uh, something that I've thought of. And then also like a lot of uh, WordPress plugin developers need help making their backends accessible. And so actually I am yeah. in the process of making a plugin myself so that I can best learn the process. So I'm actually getting in the code, making a plugin, and that way I can better understand the process. What have been your best go-to sources in the WordPress community for help in any area, any area that, that, that you've looked and, and researched help for, whether it's learning how to code, running a business. Yeah. So the WP Crafter YouTube channel is one. The other one is, like I said, I Google stuff all the time, Stack Overflow or whatever, WP Beginner, other stuff comes up. And then mm -hmm. the other one is Discord server. So actually all of us on the WordPress QA admin team. So there's about four of us, actually five. We all decided we were going to create a discord server. And we did that so that we could all have all the members, like we could actually screen share while we're doing like clubhouse rooms. And that way, like their voice would be off, but like they could still see the visuals on discord. And uh, we also have a help channel too. So, I mean, we only had that up for four days, but it's got like 50 some members in it already. And that's called WordPress HQ. Uh, so it has all of the clubs on Clubhouse that are related to WordPress that like we all run.
So just kind of one big centralized hub. But I also say like Clubhouse has been a great resource, obviously, because I've been able to ask questions with people. And before that, like I said, Google has definitely been helpful. A lot of Googling, a lot of YouTube and podcasts. I noticed that. Are you in? Are you a post status member? Uh, yes. And that too. But again, I found out about that through Clubhouse too. Yeah. So you know, I mean, you don't. Yeah, you don't have to say that they help you just because I mentioned it. <laughs> I'm saying like they, they do too, but like I wouldn't have known about post status if I wouldn't have been on Clubhouse. So like Clubhouse kind of introduced me to post status, which then, yeah. So post status has definitely been helpful, although I've only been a member for like two weeks so far. So I tell you, I mean, I feel like I'm just missing out on this Clubhouse thing. I was, maybe I have to join. Maybe I have to be out there <laughs> talking to people. Yeah. Oh man, I'll have to check it out. I'll have to get in there and, and start start diving into Clubhouse a little bit more. Taylor, this has been a fascinating conversation. I'm excited for you. I'm excited that you have uh, started a business and that you you know weren't going to let the year of 2020 COVID and getting let go from your job sort of set you back and happy to help any way I can. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Yeah, so you can find me in a whole bunch of places. So my YouTube channel, so Taylor, uh, Taylor's Tech Talks. You can visit my uh, website, so taylorart.com, although it's going to be actually revamped soon. I'm pretty excited about that. We're actually getting a new site, so I'm actually working with my designer. We're, we're designing a new site. It's in staging right now, but eventually it'll be coming out. So we have that to look forward to, too. You can find me on Twitter, t- taylor underscore art 22, or you can follow my company Twitter, if you wish, TA Services LLC. You can also find me on Clubhouse and yeah, I'm just like post status. I'm all over. That's great. That's great. That's the best way to do it. Be as many places as you can. And Mariport.com, Mariport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. Number one way to stay connected. We'll see you in the next episode.